Hi, this is Joe Ingram, and I'm the host of the Sales Genius Podcast, where we deep dive into what works and what doesn't in the realm of sales. I have personally spent the last three decades mastering buying behaviors, personality types, emotional and logical triggers, and I'm here to provide you with the cheat sheet to making more deals for more money and ultimately becoming more happy. My mission is simple. I want to help you sell one more deal today and every day going forward. My approach is going to be unique because I believe that the only thing you need to do as a salesperson is provide your prospect with a logical reason to justify their emotional decision. Now, let's go ahead and dig a little deeper into the mind of a sales genius with today's podcast. say that um, you know Joe has has done this for many many years in the area of sales for a lot of different corporations and a lot of different industries he's done a lot with the automotive industry but he has done a lot with a lot of different industries when he's talking to you what I want you to do is I really want you to think about how can you take what he says apply it to your business your industry and your your style not a perfect person don't pretend to be a perfect person if you're not you know uh andy frisella don't be andy frisella be fucking joe it's dave Meltzer for some q a for the day hi joe good to see you you guys ever go buy a car and you don't know how to not get screwed at a car dealer ask joe the bdc genius ingram and that's my bread and butter where i come from but like i love like i always like i love like what joe does sell techniques if you're in the auto industry i'll definitely contact him but he's a great guy he knows all the tricks and the traits in the auto industry business so hit him up Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I have somebody, I have a guy on today as the guest today that is um, this guy, well you'll see, he's hilarious. I want to welcome my buddy Joe Ingram to the show. Joe, welcome to the show, man. Hey, good morning, Ken. I'm going to try to behave all day. For this interview, <laughs> All I, right. I can't guarantee it. So the disclaimer is out. Obnoxious. <laughs> He's just totally, you know, unpredictable. Joe is on the road. I'm sorry. Dude, That's how it is? Uh, you know, um, you're you're. Um, I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Really, we've we just started. I mean, we've been friends for a long time. I think on Facebook, so, social media friends. Yeah, Sorry, let me yeah. Turn the camera right. Social media friends. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so we connected, and and like, dude, you you're pretty funny. 
we're we're somehow related, I think is what we determined. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Or, or or we just had the same jacked up life and <laughs> right. that, that just gets it that way, right? Like if you look at all of the great comedians out there, it's all tragic. And that's what <laughs> that's what they came to, right? Yep. I just choose not to be depressed afterwards. Dude, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about that because the Kevin Hart series on Netflix, I only saw that. Yes. Of course, yeah. Kevin Hart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Russell Peters live in India. That was unbelievably phenomenal as well. Yeah. So, so, so I created this show a couple of years ago um, to help people get unstuck. I think that, you know, everybody goes through crap in life and we get stuck. And, and I, I believe that there's healing power and hearing other people's stories of overcoming that stuff. So, um, why don't we start with, um, oh, we got Matt Koenig on. What's up, Matt? Hello, so, Matt. You're just one moment away, Matt. One. <laughs> That's right. Moment. Don't forget that, Matt. One moment. So start Matt's with. Rock star. Start yeah. with. My wall uh, is the rock star poster on my wall. It is? Yeah. I'm not lying, dude. I'm like, I'm so in. Wow. So in. Look, look, I'm a rock star. See what? That? See that? Where did yeah, you get that? Thing. I want one of those. Matt didn't send me one of those. Yes. So Matt, Matt and I are tight like that. That's what happens. I thought we I thought Matt and I were tight, but I don't have a rock star poster, so wow. So dude, tell everybody where you're born and raised. Uh born and raised in Southern California. So I was actually in uh, born in Anaheim, which is down the street from Disneyland, which explains why I can get so goofy at times. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now, born and raised in uh, lovely Southern California where we have no weather. And so it's just sunny and gorgeous all the time. And Really? Uh, yeah. There's two things people in California can't do. Okay. And that is merge. Okay. Merge. Merge oh, when yeah. the two lanes come together, right? Right. Or if any drops of moisture hit your windshield, you must hit the brakes as harshly as possible. So we can't drive in the rain because we never see it. And of course, we can't merge. So that explains a lot of the traffic that we have out here. Right. I was, I was taught from all my East Coast friends that in California, there's only two types of people, either fruits or nuts. And that's exactly <laughs> how we look over here. So, And which one are you? I'm going to be crazy as hell. Is what it is. So, yes. So you were you were born and raised in Southern. Is that like L.A., San Diego? Um, a majority of it was uh, between Orange County and L.A. County, back and forth. No San Diego. That's way too upscale and nice down there. So it's beautiful down there. Yes. So, so no, I was uh, a your Belinda. My my mom liked to move every three years. So um, her wow. thing was we buy a house. My dad owned his own business. So we buy a house, she'd buy a house, fix it all up. And when she got done with it in three years, the answer was now let's go buy something else. Really? Yeah. So it was all right. But, you know, humor helps when you go to a new school every three years. It's wow. It helps. Yeah. And at, by the time we're done, you'll understand um, I'm really just obnoxious most of the time. But it was a, a defense mechanism for my family because I'm yeah. the shyest and quietest one in the group. Right. So holidays are just brutal. For how many brothers and sisters? Uh, I have uh, one brother and I have two sisters. Okay. Wow. So, 
And you're the youngest, oldest, or somewhere? Um, in the well, middle. actually, I have a half sister that I've met once that's older than me, and that okay. was a great thing when it happened because then I can go blame my parents because I was 19 at the time when they told me. Um, I blamed I blamed my parents that I was now the middle child. Right. So I said, "See, there's the problem. You guys always treated me like a Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. What's going on?" <laughs> but dude, so. a lot of people have no idea what you just said. I yeah, do, exactly. But... <laughs> the whole millennial generation is like, I don't even know. The Brady the thing is My kids know because of Nick at night from back in the day, but <laughs> right. Yeah. So, the but no, hunt. um, yeah. yeah, just the 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 family. So my parents were um foster parents. So um, you we were a foster up... child. No, I was the um one of my book titles that I haven't put out is the the real kid in the foster home, and so okay. So my bro it was my brother and I for the longest time. And then uh, after that, it was uh, we we added kids. So I ended up with like uh, over 20 little sisters that went through our house. Wow. So in the foster program, my mom had specified um, had to be girls that were under the age of four. So that was wow. what the so that so we had that cycle through. So um, I will tell you that because I'm a parent myself, I understand that my that my parents did the best they could with every opportunity they had because that's right. what I had to do when I became a parent. Yeah. And it was like, you know, but as a child, you like to look back and go, oh, that's all screwed up. They yeah. did this. They did that. And I'm like, you know what? We just roll with it as it comes up. And uh, as a child, you're just not going to like it most of the time. But yeah, um, it's true. Yeah. So you, we you didn't do understand the, you do the best you can. Do what? Yeah, absolutely. That's the yeah. only thing you can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, but yeah, my parents, um, we didn't understand it. We just right. knew that my, like my, my parents sat us down and said, look, uh, we do okay. Right. We're doing all right. We do this. Um, we want to try to give back and we want to be able to make a difference in a child's life that isn't getting the best experience that's out there. And we were wow. like, we said, okay, we didn't know any different, right. but, um, you know, it was, uh, a life lesson that went through because I ended up seeing, and again, a lot of the coping mechanism was humor. Right. So, right. but we were getting, I was getting little sisters that came into the house. The, the state tells us, um, you need to feed them, bathe them, clothe them yeah, and provide them a good house, but don't, don't fall in love with the children. You're, you're just there until they can get placed someplace else. And it's like, I don't know how you do that. Right. When wow. something comes in that way. And so there was, um, a lot of stuff that was, I mean, really difficult to handle as a child. Right. Right. Growing right. up. So I'm, I'm, I'm like 10, 11, 12 kind of thing. So, uh, it was, uh, like the, our first foster child came to us when she came in, um, eight months old arm in a cast, um, broken blood vessels in her eyes from getting hit so hard. I'm trying not to be depressive, but wow, this, this is what happened. She had um, seven broken ribs. And so wow. uh, that was our first little little sister that came into the house. And uh, so she was eight months old and she was with us for uh, almost three years. So it was two, two and a half years she was with us. But um, it it got you to think that we, I ended up with little sisters that came into our house that 
they were there because of how crappy other adults were. Right. And so because they were crappy adults and treating the kids this way, it was really a, a bad situation that came in. So I got to see the bad parts of what's out there in society. Right. So right. if you look at it, um, I was sitting on the other side of law and order SVU. Right. And that's kids were coming to us that were abused, that were neglected, that were, um, you know, just all in all abandoned things wow. like that. So sitting there, it was, it was pretty horrifying as a child, understanding all of the stuff that got a child into our house because, and we had to know because how do we react? Right. My brother's three years younger than me. And so when you look at that, he's, he's sitting at seven, eight, nine, yeah. having to deal with the same stuff I'm dealing with, um, kind of stuff. And my parents were great. They tried to help us understand everything. It was, there was not a lot of sugar coating. But um, it really developed this um, wall, not, you know, the Ken breaking through walls kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Tagged right back in. Right. Yes. So, um, but no, it, it really made thick skin and it really made me um, hate people. And so, so but it, it was the, these, you're talking about these, these children that were, 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 unfortunately, they were kind of jacked up by society these kids cause you problems. These kids came in with their problems and okay. their, their issues. And so we have to be taught. I mean, so for example, um, the, my, the first little sister, the one that came in with the, the yeah. cat and what have you. So eight, eight months old, eight months old. Right. That's and so, insane. so when she got the cast off, what was, what was, you know, like we, you have to find humor and all you can, but, she at eight months old, when she got the cast off, she would then sit down and fall the other way because she was so used to counterbalancing uh, the weight of the cast and stuff. Wow. But so she we didn't know we were brand new that our, our neighbor up the street was a foster parent. My mom said, wow, this is a great way to give back. She yeah. got involved with the program. My dad supported it. And so us kids, we were thrown into it and we wow. did. We want we want to help. We want to make sure we can. But when we sat there and you looked at it, right, this little kid, when her when her mother came for visitations, okay, um, she was allowed once a month to come for visitations. So she came for visitation. So she walked up, if she showed up on like the first week, for two weeks straight, the child would have nightmares. And oh like God. wake up in the middle of the night, blood curdling screams, this and that. And so it, again, as far as being a child going through it, I didn't understand a lot of it, but I knew I had to participate. Yeah. So right. What happened was my mom would get up in the middle of the night, go <clears throat> grab the baby, pick her up, right. Take her out of the room. And the child couldn't recognize you. She was so trapped in the, the abuse from before the physical abuse, you would pick her up, take her out. My mom would walk her through the entire house so she would walk her in, show my dad sleeping, say, look, look, there's, there's, there's daddy, boom, boom, come down to my room. There's Joey's room. Look, Joey's there. Go to my brother's room, show him, show the other kids that were sleeping. Then she'd go downstairs, show her the kid's room, the toy room. Wow. She'd go outside. We had a large German shepherd that was very protective. So she would go down and the, the dog knew as soon as she started crying, the dog went and sat by the door because we were going to go down and show her the dog. Gotcha. And then my mom would come upstairs and hand her to my dad. Wow. And then my dad would go through the same routine 
And then I knew after she started screaming because she's still hysterical. And this is the middle of the night. This is middle of the night. And then the answer was, okay, it's my turn. So now it's my turn. So then I take her, show her, there's mom, dad, there's this, go all the way around till the point where she can actually (sighs) come back to it. But then it would just go night after night after night after night. And then finally get to the point where you got, you got two weeks a piece and you're like, okay, great. And then another visitation. And then, boom, you start all over again with this. And that that went on for years. So she stayed with you for years? She was with us for two and a half years. Okay. So it was my first little sister, my dad's yeah. first little girl yeah. kind of deal. And um, then the state wow. awarded her back to her mother. And so um, she went back to her mother. She was there. Um, so all of a sudden, it's like, here's your sister. And then goodbye, your sister left. Yeah. And so it, it rocked the family, but we had kids that kept coming through the house. Some were there for months, some were there for years. And, uh, we had to deal with the, all of the trauma that they brought in to try to be more of a whole family so that they can feel what it's like and to go through. And so my, my two sisters were adopted. So in, in all this time though, you, um, you like you're going to school, you're you're yeah. you have extracurricular sports, you doing any sports? What what do you what do you have going on outside of all that? So um my my dad owned his own business, he owned gas stations. Okay. At the time. So um before school, so I've been working at a you know at a gas station from when I was seven till I was 19. Mm-hmm. And so um we would get up in the morning, go to the gas station before school, I'd pump gas go through, um, mm-hmm. wash windows. Then I would jump in the car, go to school, come back. My dad would pick us up. We'd go back to the gas station. Or if mom picked us up, we got to go home and do homework. So Mike Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> every day, every day. If you follow me on Instagram, you're going to find that, uh, I'm at Starbucks every day, but I like to say every day. Cause me and Drake, we hang out. Right. Okay. So, so, so you, so did you like, did you play sports? You end up going to high school playing sports and baseball. Baseball was the the thing that was there. I had a big attitude. Um, surprisingly when I got to high school, um, I, I, I don't do well still to this day with people telling me, um, what to do. Yeah. I um, I feel you. We are, time, we are definitely brothers. Yes. So so my favorite saying all the time when whenever people used to walk out and go, hey, hey, boss, have a good night. I go, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I know, and, right? and they all go, what? Well, then don't have a good night. And I go, don't tell me what to do. That's still right. you telling me. I'll have whatever right. kind of night I want to have. Right. Right? right. And they all sit there yeah. and go, ah. And one guy finally figured it out. And he goes, hey, hey, Joe. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I wish you a good night. And I'm like, there you go. <laughs> and I wish you a good there one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But so, yeah, so definitely did you, built it up. Did you go? Did you end up going to college? Um, I went, I left, so I finished high school. I went to JC for a year. Okay. They didn't care I was there. I didn't care I was there. It was a mutually beneficial relationship at that point. Um, I took like some psych classes, some uh microeconomics, macros, and then I was like, if you don't care, I don't care. And then my some salty from YouTube. Hey! <laughs> yes. So um when so then I turned around and went to what uh, uh ITT Tech. Yeah, it was a it was a comp it was one that came out that didn't you didn't have to go through all the let's go back through English and all the stuff we're not right, gonna use, yeah. right? And I did the AP classes, I did 
I had to go to a different school from high school to go have the AP physics and stuff like that. These different schools to right. go to it. Um, but I was never, I mean, n nothing more than C, maybe a B. I didn't get straight A's until my senior year. So, you know, my philosophy is never be normal. Normal people get normal paychecks. And yep. when you look all the way back into high school, everybody else got really good grades and then they started ditching on their senior year. Right. And they started yeah. getting a dip in their grades. I was completely opposite. I was for my entire scholastic career was if he would only apply himself. Right. That's all the thing was. If you can just if he would just apply himself. My parents yeah. always said, if you put half the effort into doing what you're supposed to do and, you know, of the effort you put in avoiding it. Yep. Right. And go yep. through. And so that was that was one of those lessons. But, yeah, I did the I went and I got my associate's degree in electronic engineering. And then I got picked up by an aerospace company right out of right. The first year, you, it's a two year program. After the first year, I got picked up and putting into that that program. So, wow, dude, so it was I got picked up by uh, it was TRW at the time, not the credit, the <laughs> aerospace division that's now Northrop Grumman, somebody slash somebody. But um, but I went to work there at the age of 19 and then um because of my work ethic from growing up in, uh, <laughs> oh, I gotta love me some Mike Lopez on that one. So, uh, because I, cause I already knew how to work since I'd been working my whole life. Um, I ended up becoming like the first, the youngest line supervisor. So I was in charge of one thing, but I mean, they sat me down when I was 19 years old, they said here and put in front of me at the time. Now, you know, I'm very young, but, at the time, I, they sat me in front of a $120,000 piece of testing equipment and said, this is your baby that comes through. I mean, a year later, I bought a condo for $99,000. Jeez. So, so at that time, so they dropped this thing in there and they were like, okay, this is what you're going to use. This is what you do. And so, um, you know, I, I sat down, I embraced everything I'm supposed to work on. And that's what I did. So, um I was like one of two people in the nation that could do a certain testing and, and building of stuff. And I have to be careful because I have a top secret government clearance and they're always watching. So, um, but uh, yes, I, I mean, I built that up. I I've had the experiences where you get the, uh, the phone call at home and you get to put on a plane and flown to the other side of the, the country yeah, you, uh, put a hood over your head, walk through so you can go fix something. Right, is sitting someplace to go. Here, you have to fix it. You're the only person that can electrically make it the same. This and that, and so I, I'm I'm saying, yeah, like I've I've been there. But right, well, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, my yeah. life was pretty like an pretty much like an episode of Twenty Four. Right, um, Sutherland. Love yeah. that. Or, or not as dramatic as that. Right. So so um. A little bit more, like I want just to backtrack a little bit. In in your childhood, did you find yourself in? Um, did you get in any trouble? Like, you you kind of seem like you you probably got arrested a lot as a kid. Yeah, no, and the <laughs> file has been sealed. So you couldn't find that out if I did. Um, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I I did. It was funny because in school it was very polarizing in the fact. Yeah. That Teachers either loved me and protected me, or they were like, get this child out of my class now. Right. So um, I was never diagnosed with 
ADHD and I, I am now, but as, with ADHD, I thought I'd be thinner, but the <laughs> hyperactivity evidently is just mental. But when my son got tested, cause his mother said, oh, we've got to get you tested. We got to get this and that. And I was like, okay. So he goes and gets tested and we sit down, we're both sitting on the couch and we're both bouncing our leg together and we're looking around and the, the doctor goes, you scored a 98 on the test. And I look at him and I'm like, dude, you couldn't even ace it. What's up with that? Oh my God. And so the doctor goes, no, that is the highest you can get. Oh, and I was like, well, yeah. So we're high fiving on the table. Oh, and then the, the doctor looks and goes, well, evidently it's hereditary and we know which side of the family he gets. Right. Wow. And so, and I, I took that as a dig. So I got really arrogant and I said, you do understand that I have to make more than your hourly rate for me <laughs> to afford your hourly rate and to pay for this. Cause let's right. be real. That's what's happening here. And the guy was like, uh, and I looked at my son and I said, um, ADD is a label that's placed on people that are smarter than the average yep. because you get bored. Right. Yep. And again, as a trainer now, I understand that like, when you go through a room and you work the room to make sure your students understand mm -hmm. and people get what's there. Right. For one, I use humor a lot to get the message across, which right. makes me different than a lot of people. But when you look at it, I said people get into the groove of things and somebody drives 20 miles an hour Prius. Yeah. And then they got somebody <laughs> else who's who's driving driving 50 miles an hour. But when you're up in the front of the room trying to get a message across, you have to deliver one at 20 miles an hour and one at 50 miles an hour and then maybe one at 90 miles an hour. But the 90 hey, mile an hour. And, kid and, and then it. there's those those of us that drive 140 miles an hour. Nice. <laughs> nice. My, my record is 161. Wow. On my way back from Vegas. But I was, you know, not I was operating legally. That was there, but yeah, yeah. So I've I've always been a complete race car driver, and yeah. that's where I got in trouble, right? My poor yeah. parents had to pay for insurance. Was bad. There's Bob Donnell. That's somebody you need to know, Ken. That's a connection I'm going to make later. Hey, Bob. You, you got to know Bob. Bob is a fantastic human being. So, so he's, my, so he's one of my best friends and mentors. So that's awesome. Well, Bob, I look forward to getting to know you. So, um. So here you are now. So you you get a you get. I warned you, ADD. I'm I know. Over I'm, the I, way. I'm, I went I'm, to twenty five, thirty. I'm, yeah, we're back I'm, now. I'm three. I'm gonna. I'm, yeah. This is like herding cats. Yes. So 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 you were working in this. Was it was it a government job? The um, the so it our customer was the government. Okay. Okay. So gotcha. it's a, it was a privately held. Well, you know, an actual. You can buy shares. And deal, did you did you keep like did you stay at that job for a while or I was there for 10 years and okay. so I went I became the youngest supervisor, youngest team leader, youngest division leader, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. My, Mike's on my Wednesday call with me too. He's yeah. just as much of a squirrel as it's oh, there. I, I warned Ken yet. I warned Ken yesterday, he Mike. Exact thing. I said it's gonna be like squirrel. He, yeah. he's like I, i'm he said i'm known for yelling squirrel like four or five times a day yes so so you worked there for 10 years did you quit or did you get fired or yeah, I, I i chose to leave because it was aerospace and so like when i got there there was a department of 30 people okay and then all of a sudden after like probably eight months it was a department of three and i okay. was one of the three that stayed so when we started building back up i was able to take over leadership of the the team 
Gotcha. And but for ten years it was, um, oh, all funding's on hold. Lay everybody off. And then okay, now call them all back. Yeah. See if they'll come back. And it was that game back and forth, and that was really tough mentally yeah. going back and forth. So at the end of the ten year run, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep doing this. And so I walked away. And what? And, uh, where did you go? Where did you go from there? Like you left there and did what? It's not going to make any sense. It's going to be very squirrel. But um, I went to work McDonald's general manager. Yeah, I went to go work at a criminal defense law firm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you could totally see electrical engineer bounced (laughs) to criminal defense. So um, I'm not a lawyer, right? Because people's lip doesn't have to go up when they go, oh, really? You're a lawyer? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, they had interviewed for a call center manager. I didn't, uh, I didn't ever work in a call center, but I went and interviewed, um, went through a panel of 14 different people. So um, when I got to the end, the owner and his wife were sitting there and they were like, hey, I, based on what we've all learned and seen, I think you can build a team, right? You've had people that got laid off, came back, got laid off, came back for 10 years with you. I think you can build a team. In a team for what? In in like was this the OJ Simpson trial thing? No, no. This was a team this was, for what? It was a criminal defense law firm in Santa Monica. Okay. And so what we did was this is when uh, AOL started becoming big. Right. Right. The when yeah. you log on. Yeah. Yeah. So AOL was, was big. Yes. <laughs> you got mail. They um when you look at it, the uh, everybody would go, if you got a DUI, if you got arrested for anything, you went to the phone book, right? And we were in every phone book across yeah. in two states. Yep. And so, um, and then we went online. So, right. but all those leads would come in and funnel into um, the call center in Santa Monica. So it was a big marketing thing on how do you get this person, right? And can you, can you put out a, a getoutofjail.com when it came out, things like that. And so we did all these advertisements and then the phone would ring in Santa Monica. So we put together an actual team in Santa Monica that would take the phone calls. And then there was, a, there was me on the inside sales team. And then there was another guy on the outside sales team named Lou. And he was the one that he ran the outside team. The outside team was retired police officers. Okay. So they didn't, they didn't give any legal advice, but they could tell you the bad side of what's going to happen. And so they would turn around. And so we would then set appointments. So I had giant maps on the wall. So you can see my green screen, right? That yeah. would be like two maps of the states that we're in. And so we would get a phone call, find out where you were. We were in Michigan and we were in California were the wow. two states we had. So then I had to learn traffic patterns. Had to learn, um, you know, that this much on the map meant it was going to take them over an hour. And if it was during rush hour or things like that, we had to figure out where they went and how to get there. So I'd have to, my team would build out a day for the outside rep. And we had like eight reps. Okay. So I would sit down and go, oh, so-and-so's in Kalamazoo. Oh, so if they're in Kalamazoo, then we can flip this appointment over there and we can fill two people. This one's going to go pick up a retainer on a big case. Right. And so they would go back and then all of a sudden you build a day of like eight appointments for somebody to physically go meet with people. And then they go, Hey, somebody just came in and I need to go pick up some money. And so now the whole day gets wiped and you got to get on the phone and go move all these people to a different day or try to get another rep to take over the, 
the appointments. And we did that back and forth during the day. And it took, and again, I didn't know what I was doing, but it was the first time somebody offered me commission. So okay. the owner sat with me and he said, Hey, I know you've been working the, you know, the pseudo government yeah. job yeah. thing. He said, I'll guarantee your salary that you're making. He said, and I'll offer you commission and whichever one's greater after the first month, you decide what you're going to do. Right. And I doubled my salary yep. after the first month and I've never looked back. I'm, right. I'm not a big fan of the, let's give everybody a big guarantee. Let's go through. My answer is let's work and earn it. Because when I worked yeah. aerospace, I had an employee that had worked at that company for two years longer than I had been alive. Wow. And so, and he had the same job in the corner, but because he'd been there forever, he was literally making more money than me. The one that's responsible for all the budget, 20 yeah. people, right? I had 20 at the biggest point. I had 24 staff. We worked seven days a week and we were around the clock 24 hours. So my little pager would go off and all the stuff that was there. So when I went to the law firm, it was a refreshing that it didn't last that long. Uh Right. And how, but how long, how long were you at that law firm? I was there for two years. Okay. I tripled revenue in nine months. Okay. And so uh, they were at 300 grand a month. When I got there, it was a million a month um, wow. that we went after that. And we just went and we built up, but I built an inside phone team. I built right. a team that could take a phone pop and convert that customer into an actual sale without having to send somebody out. So, 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 so you let, you ended up, did you quit the law firm? Did things? Yeah. Um, so he, he, here's what happened. And this was like one of those gut wrenching life moments that happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there. So I lived in Chino Hills. And so in California, that's about 60 something miles from Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And in Santa Monica during rush hour, um, four miles will take you an hour. So I would get to work. I'd leave my house at six in the morning so I could be to work by eight. When I got to work at eight, I would stay until 10 p.m. And then I would drive home because it would take me 40 minutes to get home at 10 o'clock. Or I could leave at seven and get home at nine. So wow. it was it was brutal, but I stayed there and did it. And so what I didn't realize when I interviewed with the owner, when he came up, he told me when I got when he went to hire me and say I had the job, he said, hey, um, I just want you to understand when we do a great job, the public is really upset with us. Mm. And I, and I looked at him, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, if we get a really good result for our client, then everybody's mad about that. And I looked at him and I said, straight in the eye, I said, look, I'm morally and ethically challenged. Show me the money. Mm. And he was like, okay, let's go. So two years into this, I'm sitting there, somebody calls in from, cause we're now in nine states. So somebody in Pennsylvania, it's nine 30 at night. He's calling to talk to his attorney. And then I'm like, well, of course it's after midnight there. The attorney's not going to be able to be there, but I was like, okay, yeah. fine. Let me page him and then wait. And then I walked in and I read the file. And as I was sitting there with my two supervisors, um, all of a sudden I just sat there crying. And I realized the total flip that happened in my life. We went from protecting children from these people. And I'm now working at the place that defends these people. Mm. Right. And I'm reading yeah. the letters and I'm reading the stuff that's in there. And I'm just, I'm just crying. I just was like, I can't do this. And so at 11 o'clock, um, 
it took me a while to get composed, but at 11 o'clock, I shut down the office. We walked out and both my supervisors were like, dude, we can see this on your face. What's going on? I said, guys, I, I just got to go. And so I called the owner, woke him up and I said, Hey, um, I'm out of here. I, I can't do this. And he wow. said, he, he, on the phone, he says, Joe, you lasted longer than I thought you would. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I just immediately jumped off. I was like, I was done. I didn't know what to do at that point. I didn't have anything lined up, but it was such a conflict internally to say, we, you know, my parents taught me to help these kids. And now I'm helping the, the people that put the kids in our home that were and, there. And, and so you left there and I can, I can understand that. So you left, you left there and at some point you got into the car business that was where I jumped. So oh, I, I answered an ad at that point. So somebody was looking for a call center manager and I was like, Hey, I just made this work really well. So I jumped in. I, it was a newspaper still at the time. So I opened the newspaper, saw an ad, answered the ad um, gotcha. and went in. And that, that was me jumping into the car business in 2000. And you, you yeah. ran, so call, and, and you know, I'm not in the car business. So like, please but, stay away. It's, it's for your own sanity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you like car dealerships have call centers. Yes. So that was the big push at that point in time. And so I, I went to work for a little company called auto nation. And so, um, I've heard they, of them. Yeah. They had, uh, they had these used car superstores, and then they were moving into the franchise stores and a company had done a pilot program with them where, um, your sales department, is typically really good at selling a customer face to face, but it doesn't always work if the customer calls you first, or at that point, since the internet started coming out, um, they would then put, uh, they would send in internet leads and these right. leads, would, leads would come in, but the guys weren't adept at handling them because they weren't as serious to them because they weren't walking on the lot. Right. And so, um, when you got there, they built what's called a business development center. And a business development center meant we built a call center that handled the virtual customers and converted them into real people on a showroom floor that can do it, right? And at that time, we had newspaper ads where it was one at this price or two at this price, and it was in a physical paper. And so with the call center part, um, you got to drive traffic to the store by answering the questions, bringing them in. They got to meet with a manager downstairs and then they got shown inventory. Okay. That was there. So that was uh, where I went. So, and I think that, yeah, Weldon, Weldon's a buddy of mine. He, he owns a car dealership. <laughs> um, yeah. At that so time, they only had like a hundred and, 60 stores as opposed to the 230 <laughs> or 250 they have now maybe even over 300 if i they, they don't use trainers other than their own so i don't keep up with them so so you wow that's interesting so and and i remember you know back because i built my first website in 1994 i always joke and say me and al gore invented the internet yes but, but um, you thank al for all of his contributions. <laughs> yes. So, so, um, <laughs> so, so you, um, I can remember though, when, when leads would come in and in, in the business I was in off of the internet, yeah. we never really took them serious for some. Right. Reason. And that, and that was where we were. And when I took in in 2000, they gave me two dealerships. 
They're both owned by auto. They did a pilot program of 10 dealerships. Yeah. So at the end of a year, there was three that were still running, right? Oh, there was four that were still running. One closed down right after that, but two of them were mine. Wow. And so, and one of them was existing before they did the pilot, which is why they tried to do the pilot. And so I had two stores. They were side by side. It was Lexus of Cerritos and Toyota of Cerritos. And so they sat right next to each other in the Cerritos Auto Square. Yeah. And uh, But it, at that time, what was fantastic was we would get 4,000 ups a month at the Toyota store. Wow. There's 4,000 people a month walking on the lot. We used to get little up cards, right? You'd have to manually fill it out. There was no grab your phone and plug it into the CRM. It was, I, I ran a team upstairs. They would turn in all the cards with what car they were looking for. And then we would go in and manually, I had a, two people that manually typed in all the customer information into our CRM tool so that we could begin follow up and going after that. And so, and it hasn't changed much today. When you look at it, the number still above 80% of the people that leave a name and phone number at a dealership never get a call back. And so what? it's it's just amazing. So when you look at it and say, hey, we're going to call these people and follow up because I want to know what <clears throat> experience did you get? What did we mess up on? And right. if there's still an opportunity to save the deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was a it was a unique thing back in the day. So, I mean, I remember when this horrible place came out on the Web <laughs> that gave away all of our secrets and stuff like that. It was called Edmonds. Dot com. Uh, they they went out as that customer advocate and they gave away all the secrets that were in the car business. And so it was just, it was like an Edmonds lead came in. You were like, oh, oh no, no, <laughs> okay. I want to call this person and stuff. And so yeah. since then they've modified their, their program and they're, they're a great lead provider today. But yeah. when you look at it in the beginning, the answer was they were disrupting. Their answer was, I have to disrupt. And how do you disrupt the automotive industry? You lay out the secrets. Let's yeah. go in and do this and stuff like that. So um, it was wow. definitely a scary time, but we would uh, we would get the leads. I, I mean, we were talking at the time. I'll tell you because it was all new and we didn't know what a good lead was, what was a bad lead or anything like that. We we had like ten thousand leads that came into the Toyota store. You all know, right. I've thank I've you, had, Weldon. Thank you, Weldon. I've for, had for believing. I've had salespeople, you know, you're, you're talking about, you were talking about the, you know, putting <clears throat> that you had people that were like, Hey, put this information, this data in the CRM. And, and, you know, I've had, I, I've had every CRM that exists, not automotive related, but every right. other, like every CRM and, and, you know, literally last night I was entering something into my CRM and I'm like, God, I suck at this. Like, it's <laughs> true. It's I, true. All the other information that I should have put in there every single day this past year. And this is the first time in 365 days I've used it. And so a CRM, like I'll bet, I'll bet you that when you had people that were responsible, that was their only duty is enter data into the CRM. It was probably what the the song from uh, Archie Bunker. Those were the days. Like suddenly, like yes, because you know the data was way better then than yeah. relying on salespeople. And no offense to salespeople, I am one, but yeah. we suck at entering data. Yeah, and I so the, this it was funny because the CRM was new, and then with the CRM being new, 
the only team that had it was the business development center upstairs. Right. The salespeople, the cards were in triplicate. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. they would fill out the card. They would keep the hard copy in the back. We would give us the top copy and wow. the middle copy went to their manager. Wow. And so they all had these little files on their desk, the, the, the little calendar, and then yeah. you would go move it and move it and move it. So yeah. Lewis, good morning. And so, so that was that was what they did. And then we loaded in the software. But at that time, the server for that was just a computer under my desk. Yeah. And so everybody upstairs, they all their computers were linked to mine. Yeah. That was that was there. And again, but at the at the same time, if you stop and understand that certain people have a gift. So I was hiring college students because yeah. we're open seven days a week. We were open from eight in the morning till nine o'clock at night. The answer was, you know what we could do? I could, I could cover part-time shifts. And so I could have people that came in on a couple days. They just worked on the stuff. And because they were college students, I gave them a script. They left. They came home. The, they came the next day for another portion, sat down, and they already memorized it. Yeah. It was just like all the stuff they were doing. So I got this going, but I had my BDC was seven people in sales and 15 people in, or I'm sorry, 15 people in sales, seven in service. So, and the goal is what? All of the information coming into a dealership get changed, converted into appointments for people to show up. So the customer gets a better experience. They met with a manager first. Yeah. Right. We had floor managers out there and that was what we, we put together, but we, nobody wants to just sit in front of a computer all day. If I'm a salesperson, especially in the automotive realm, right? Is that I want to be face to face with a customer. I, that's where I shine. And yeah. so when you take me and go put me in a cubicle and you say, here, dial the phone all day, by the time they get to the fifth call that nobody answered, they're already defeated. And they're I, like, I, oh, I, I dial forever and nothing happens. What are you talking you about? You know, I, 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 one, uh, one of my best friends, if not my best friend is, is Frank Crenitti. Who's you know between him and Ali Rita, they're the the top. I two. love me some Ali Rita. I do too. I love that dude. I just just met him. I I was in Detroit and stopped by and hung out with him for a little bit. But the you know um, you know I, I like Frank and I have had this conversation on screen actually. Like there is an automation happening in the world. There's something occurring in the in the car business and every other industry where it's just click, 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 delivered. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no salesperson involved. Right. And, and, and I'm you need, not saying, you need a delivery specialist. Right. That's what you need. Right. Somebody who knows the product and can deliver it. Right. I, I mean, it's coming to a place where it really is gonna come down to you know, customer service is what's going to, I think I, yeah. I could be wrong. I, I don't know the car business that well, but I know a lot of people in it. And it seems like there's this, this huge customer service thing. I, well, I'm, again, so, so here's what I've noticed. And I, I train this with people as I go through, I say, look, um, if you go to Google, you may have heard of it, I think Al Gore yeah. did it too. Yeah. yeah. So there's a Google machine and you just type in this, this phrase. And if you type in used car salesperson, okay. Right. So back in the day when you had newspapers, we used to say, were you above the fold or below the fold? Right. So on, on now we're a digital world. I say 
above the scroll or below the scroll. Right. So you have to scroll down to see it. Yep. If you type in used car salesperson, there's like two positive images and the all the rest look horrible. Yep. Okay. Then if you type new car salesman, you're going to have nine of them, right? Of the 15 that are across there that are positive. Yep. And if you just type car salesman, it's about 50-50. But right. And, and I give the, the the actual why it happened, okay? So a bunch of Honda dealers in Southern California came up with a, an idea for an advertising campaign. And I think, it, and they said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna say that we're helpful Honda people. And in the beginning, they made these commercials that were um, very, very atrocious in my mind was, <laughs> yeah. the answer was, Hey, guess what? Uh, the guy shows up at somebody's door and goes, well, I'm here to be helpful. And they're like, well, the jump house isn't here. And so the guy goes in the backyard in his helpful blue Honda shirt lays down and there's children jumping on him. Wow. Or, or an overweight guy says, I have to change the light bulbs. And now the Honda guy has this sweaty guy on his shoulders, walking him through the house as the guy's sweating all over him. Yeah. But what they did was if you look at it and I say, this is the bad image of a car salesperson because we did have a bad image. Right? right. So looking at it, they said, our people are not bright enough to take advantage of you. They just want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. So the swing went all the way over here for new cars. Right. And so it said, look, we're just so that. And so it brought up our image here. So now when you look at it, people can say you're a professional salesperson if you said new cars. Right. If you right. say used cars, it it's still looked at as, you know, the shady lot down the street that happens. And if you look, dealerships are held to so much of a higher standard because of that digital gun. There's yep. two of them. Yelp, Google, right? That the customer yeah. gets to hold to your head to say, I'm mm -hmm. going to go in there and give you a bad Yelp review. It's the same with, you know, and people don't, don't get it. I, I have a, um, I've spent thousands of dollars on a Sonos system for my, my home and I, every room. Right. And, and, yeah. and so they sent out an email the other day saying, Hey, by the way, if your system's basically, I forget what it was, six or seven or eight years old, which mine is, um, we're no longer going to support it. You get no software updates and it's probably right. going to stop working. Right. <laughs> and I was like, you should have bought an extended warranty. I'm, yeah, like, so. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. How do speaker systems go bad? Are y'all crazy? So, and I traded in a Bose system for that. Right. And so right. I went, I went to Twitter and I went to Instagram and I went to Facebook and I went to their pages, their page on Facebook. And there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people complaining, blasting them profanity, like, like seriously, the entire freaking customer base went to the, the social media. And so yesterday I get an email from the CEO saying, psych, we were Oops. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was totally just a joke. April fools were just early. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And people need to realize that, that like it, and, and that's what, what I, one of the, like Frank Crenetti, Frank's like, Man, he delivers a customer service experience like, like nobody, like yeah. literally nobody. And I watched Ali Rita when I was up there and I'm like, these guys are at the top of the game, like literally at the top of the game. So what you're talking about is absolutely the truth, man. And people well, need to realize. Google and Amazon are both spending money about 
um, trying to sell cars online. Yeah. Right. They're spending it when I, uh, so again, I was in the car dealership world and I kept going, but yeah. twice now I was as a GSM, I've taken dealerships to a thousand units a month. Wow. And so, and your average new car store is less than 200 used cars. It's like 120 something across the nation. But um, I took them to a thousand cars a month. One was before the 2008. And yeah. then the most recent one was 2015. And so, um, but that was me in the stores. But I will tell you that when I was in the the, the store in Huntington, when I we got that one to a thousand units a month, the owner and I met every week. And every week we had an hour long meeting to say, how do we make it more like a drive through? How do we make it an in and out in an hour situation? Right. Right. And that's what that's what we looked at. And it was just that was everything we did. But I'll tell you that like we had a sales board, right? Everybody has a sales board. Ours was a, a 60 inch TV turned sideways so that we can support all of the cars we were selling. But it was a Google Doc. So every sales manager can type in. Nice. What's going on? And then that was the order that it should be handled for gas and wash. But we had a computer system in the wash rack. And in the wash rack, there was a wash rack manager. His job was to watch it. And if in within 10 minutes of them putting it on that sheet, if he didn't have the the slip to give to the, the guy with the car keys from the salesperson, yeah. then he would he would get on there. And we all had a two-way radio app on our phone because we'd gone are the days of Nextels. So we would use this little app and we'd go, hey, I haven't got that car yet. Hey, right. I haven't got that car yet. And so they were held, the manager was held to a, did you get it in and out of the wash rack in under 30 minutes? So he needed every time frame he could get because it had to be gassed and washed in that 30 minutes. So when the person was in finance, they would come out to a car that was sitting out front ready to be delivered. And this so, is for a, the, a new a delivery, like a new new car, new person. New car delivery. Pair the phone, enter their navigation if they had it, go over the features and benefits that you neglected on the walk around yeah. and uh, get to that point. So but, what, you know, what, are, all systems. What, what are you, um, it, man, I cannot, we're already at 51 minutes. This yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, dude, this has been awesome. So, so what are you doing now? Because I know you're not working at a car dealership, right? No, no. So um, it was a little over two years ago. Um, had a conversation with the uh, the owner came in. I had a store, 51% year over year increase. Um, owner came in, said, yeah, I'm going to give the your job to my friend because he needs one. And so at that point, I walked out. My lovely bride looked at me and said, will you stop with your side hustle? Because I would still train other dealerships that weren't in my PMA. Yeah. And so, and I was nicknamed because of all of my transactions in the BDCs. Um, I, I was called the BDC genius is what they put out there. And that was the nickname I went by. So I was like, you know what? I just need to to jump full bore instead of building BDCs, you know, in other, other cities or zones, yeah. I should just do it full time. And so I did that, but you know, I've worked at Joe Verde group. Um, I I've worked with grant, uh, we've had a lot of fun building stuff together and, um, it's a good thing, man. It's, the car business is fun. Um, I've since branched out anytime there's something virtual that needs to get converted. So I work with eBay companies. Um, I work with chiropractor offices that run ads and, uh, you know, they have to get somebody off of Facebook into their location, dentist offices. I work with insurance companies when you got to convert a lead things like that. So I, I jump around all over. Primary, primarily, my business is automotive. 
Yeah. And so um, I just helped one of my clients go from number 13 in the nation, number 10. Right. Wow. And so three places and there's 3,300 dealerships. Um, so that was a big jump. And so, so, so you, um, so, I mean, you primarily are working with car dealers. Yeah. I'll say 80% of my business is done with automotive. Okay. And you're helping them with their e-commerce division <laughs> phones. Um, I do face-to-face -face sales as well. Okay. So, um, I can teach them that way. The only thing I don't like, I was, a during my four years with AutoNation, I also, I, I went from GSM, got to the thousand units. Then they said, we pull 70% of our GMs from service. So then I went to the service department and ran the service department with another manager. Okay. And we had record, it took me 90 days. Then we set records for the next nine months. And then gotcha. it, the opportunity came up to say, Hey, now, now we need a GM at this location. I was like, Hey, I killed it in sales. I'm killing it in service. This is all me. And then they said, no, they said, we're going to take somebody else. Cause you've only been here for four years. And this right. guy's been with the store for 12 years. And you know what? He, he deserved it. He was there for 12 years. And so my ego couldn't handle it. Right. Right. So yeah. I was like, Hey, I'm a shining star. I'm this, I'm that. So yeah. then I quit and went to another store where I, it took me another six months before I became GM. So it took four and a half years in the car business to get to that point of being a GM. And then I realized that the ladder I climbed was against the wrong wall. And so yeah. Climbed back down, got out, got into, went to work at the Joe Verde group, taught, trained his people. But at that, so if you look, the call center at the, the law firm, the BDC, then when I left the being a GM at the store, I went to Joe Verde group and trained his inside sales team. And so wow. I, all I was doing was teaching him over the phone. And there's a different way to communicate over the phone and through email than when you do it face to face. And so yeah. that's where you look at and say, are you, are you directing every opportunity you have? And since my sales team wants to think that they it's not like I, I did a call the other day and one of the guys goes, I can't get these millennials to talk to me. I said, ask them what their cell phone number is and text them while you're in front of them. Yes. And he's like, what? I go, the, they don't have an issue with texting. They don't have an issue with email. They don't have this issue that we sit back and go, I need to see your face to do it. I'm like, we don't need to, we don't need to meet you to sell a car. Right. And, and I had built that at the Nissan store, which was, I called it click, click and pick. So you can click and pick up your car. Yeah. And it was all just work. I worked with software developers to try to get it, to make it a lending tree experience. Yeah. that says, here's your yeah. car and stuff like that, because that's the way it's going. I think Carvana, Carvana is real. Carvana yeah. is real. But I still think, I still think it's going to take another eight years for yeah. the public to feel that now used cars. I don't think we'll ever get to that point where you no. click and buy a used car. Cause I don't feel comfortable. Um, but when you look at new cars, you can. New cars, right. you can do it. And then guess what? And on Amazon, over 50% of the pop-ups that say, do you want to buy this extra protection? People say yes. Wow. I'm buying yeah. an item for $20 and I'm going to give you $4 now. Yeah. Right? So I can protect it for four years. And right. it's like, and so people are going to get extended service contracts because there's value in it. They're going to get gap insurance. They're going to get these things, key replacements and stuff yeah. like that. All of that's just going to be pop-ups. And say, do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? And you take whatever's there. There's something, you know, that I think in the used car business, there's something, and I'm not, again, I'm not in the business. I'm talking about from a consumer's perspective, seeing the um, a, a legitimate dealer and their 50 point inspection, you know, or whatever. Right? 
Yeah, if we're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay, it's been through the 50-point inspection. I'm buying. I'm a yeah. buyer then, you know. Yes. Because you know, if I bought it from some guy off of eBay, it's not had a one-point inspection. Correct. So, Correct. Right? Well, again, on eBay, I can sell it to you where it's not safe to drive. Right. Right? Because right. what am I going to do? Do a Yelp review on a person? No. Right. Yeah. None. Yeah. Right? So, so let me ask you this and we haven't talked a, a lot about, I mean, we've, we've talked about your journey and what you've done to create success and, and, and yourself and for other people. And, um, what, you know, this show is about helping people break through. Yeah. And, and so in your opinion, what do you think, and you've dealt with a lot of people over the years. Yeah. That's that's why you got the gray hair. That's a true statement. I know. Look, and I'm like, I, it just keeps getting this. I let's just grow it and embrace it. I know. That's why I won't. I refuse to deal with people. I don't want the gray hair. I'm just kidding. Um, so, what is what do you think, in your opinion, what's the number one thing that holds people back in life that keeps them from achieving their dreams? So I, I will tell you, and again, just from my perspective that's out there, it's language. It's what is it you say to yourself and what do you say to the people you're engaging with? And so when I go in and I train people, right, when I go train them, I'm teaching them a different way to speak. And when I teach them a different way to speak, you get a different outcome, right? right. One of the things, like I always tease everybody and go, I don't. I, I, every dealership I walk into, if somebody says no problem, they all go, oh, is Joe here? Cause Joe's going to yell. <laughs> right. And I say, if you understand how your brain is working, right. And I've spent a lot of time in classes and understanding this stuff, but your brain can't process the negative. Right. So if I said, Ken, Ken right now, Ken, do not, do not, do not think of a kitten. Right. What popped in your head? the kitten. So when you say no right. problem to somebody, you just introduced a problem. So whatever I introduce has to be there then to put that little red slash and circle around it to take it away. So there's times where you go, Hey, um, no problem. And the person looks at you and goes, are you sure? Because yeah. you unconsciously just made them uneasy because they don't know what problem you sidestepped. So there, there's only one fast food chain that we give a day off to. Yep. And it's the one that changed their language. And they say, my pleasure. Yep. Right. And so they we're like, go ahead, take the day off. It's okay. We'll just wait till Monday to eat a chicken sandwich. Right? <laughs> right. But that's because they taught us a different way. They spoke to us differently and that elevated whether or not they give you better service is irrelevant. I know there's somebody at a Jack in the box that went out and helped a customer who had a flat tire in the parking lot. Yep. Just nobody posts about it. Mm hmm. Right. And so, yep. again, the answer is, are you changing your language? There's uh, there's way too many examples that I can give you in the car business about how we say things incorrectly to a customer, because everything I say. Thank you, Maria. You know, the, the everything I say in the car business or in life, I put a picture in somebody's head of what's right. there. Right. So if you open up and, you know, De Niro did one of the the, the car business thing scenes. Right. But it's it's sad. It's said a lot. Um, so well, then I say my pleasure. Absolutely. Certainly. Okay. Or, or what I change it to depending on the situation. But when you look at this, um, you pop the trunk of the car and what's the running Italian joke, right? You see that you can put like four dead bodies in there, <laughs> right? 
So no matter what, what do you just have to picture? I've, you had to picture <laughs> dead bodies in a trunk. And we think it's funny, but you had to put the picture in there. And then right. we wonder why the customer doesn't want to go for a, a drive around the block. And I never use the word test drive because that's part of a sales process. So I always say, let's take it for a spin. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's all about language. It's all about what you're telling the person. Right. And understand the bad words we're telling to a customer, not derogatory words. I'm saying when we put bad images in their head, those are the same things we put in our own head when we something happens and go, oh, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Well, you're just reinforcing yourself that you're an idiot as opposed to, oh, I made a mistake. I'll fix yeah. it next time. So it's just a different sense of, and you can tell my language, I, I'm out there, but I won't, I won't be tripping up people with bad pictures yeah. that, that are there. And so it's just, again, to me, it's fun. And if I can teach you a different way to speak, so you get a different way yeah. to get a different result. Right. And everybody knows the, the saying, if you do the same thing over and over, expect different results, that's insanity. And right. I say, well, let's just change your language. Let's just pick different words. Right. If we pick right. different words, you get different reactions and different reactions come in. But with salespeople, I teach you body language. I teach you how you actually can do it. I can teach you words to say to move a customer through the process. And so I don't have to look at somebody and say, um, like, I, I, I am in a dealership every other day. And I always will sit there and I hear somebody go, so what does it take to make a deal with you right now? And I'm like, weeks up, weeks up. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, come on, there's two closes in the car business. Right. I worked at Joe Verdi. I know this one. Uh, Sean, Sean told me all the time. He said, Sean Gardner, he said, you either say, if I could, would you, or let me get the invoice. Right. Those are the right. two closes. And somebody else goes, well, no, I don't do that. If I could, would you, I say, would you, if I could. <laughs> right. I totally changed it up. And I'm like, no, there's so many different ways to, to do that. Right. right. And so the, the car game is played out because the internet can tell us all the jokes, right? Yeah. And the internet, go to YouTube and type in funny car salesman, and you're going to get a whole bunch of videos of people mocking the industry. Yeah. Okay. And we're better than that. And so. I know some really incredibly awesome people in the car business. Absolutely. I mean, amazing people. Yeah. Phenomenal individuals that are different than that. Um, yeah. I worked with a guy, just went to his 30th anniversary. It's 30th anniversary at the same dealership. Wow. Right. And so Desmond Thompson's over Lexus of Cerritos. He is phenomenal. And he did an event and the people in attendance were like execs from Lexus, myself, my bride used to work with them. So he wanted her there. Right. So he, he wanted to recognize her, his assistance over the years. And then all of a sudden, you look around the room and everybody is a client of his. And then several wow. of them got up and they're like, I'm on my sixth car. I'm on my yeah. seventh car. Right. You're looking at some people going, well, you're not going to make it to eight based on your age, but right? <laughs> right. with the oxygen tank and the thing and they're like, he's the best. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, dude, he, he got them when they were 20. You know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, he just worked these people all the way through and they don't buy another car because they right. only want what he's doing. And since he stayed at the same store, they could find him. Yeah. That's awesome. He, he man. did it before social media. So if you had somebody, you know, I, I've, uh, I, I mean, I owning a business can be challenging and I I've been through, I've been through a lot. Man, I've I've had I had a car repossessed in front of employees once. Um, they got paid, but I didn't. Um, right. You know, I I've had I've lost houses. I've I've 
you know, I, I mean, I've been through a lot. So, you know, if you had somebody call you up and say, dude, uh, I'm, I'm just not making it. My car was repoed last week. Electric's being shut off today. My, I'm having a hard time just getting motivated. I'm falling apart here. I don't know what to do. What would you say to that person in that moment, whether they're in the car business or what, whatever, what would you say to them in that moment to help them break free, break through that moment? So I'll tell you that um, the first thing I would do is make it a FaceTime. Yeah. Right? Because yep. they got to see that you care. Yep. And so I would flip it to some kind of video, some kind of, of way of me saying, hey, I want you to see that I'm here for you because the biggest disconnect is that they feel alone. That's what that's how you get to that point. Right. Is that you feel like you're you're by yourself. Yeah. So if I'm sitting there and talking with you, then the answer is what? I got to get you out of the pity party. And yeah. yeah, we do get a lot of crap. I've been through just about every single thing you've you've said. Yeah. Right. 2008 yeah. happened to a lot of us. Oh. And and so Brutal. when you look at that, right? I mean, I, I, all my months aren't perfect, right? And yeah. so it's about the support system you have around you. And so if I need to be that support system to somebody, I will. Yeah. And I, I get people all the time, but my answer is, look, I'll I'll send you this, right? Um, yeah. somebody, somebody asked me something today. They text me this morning and I sent them a podcast link of something I've already talked about. And I'm yeah. like, I want you to listen to this five times. And then you reach back out to me. I'm going to, I have a meeting until 11 o'clock today. So at 11 o'clock, I want you to, to reach out to me and we're going to talk about this. And so again, you can go watch Eric Thomas. Uh Oh, what happened? Joe froze up. There you are. You're back. Oh my God. Ooh, yeah. You know, sometimes when you drop in the knowledge, you got to turn it off, right? Everybody goes, I wonder what he said, but right there was how you perfect your life. That's what I told everybody right then. Yeah. I missed, we met, you said something about Eric Thomas and then you froze. Okay. So I said, you go on, on YouTube, go watch a video, Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, yeah. whatever you want to do. Cause again, you got to get out of your own head. And that's what right. happens is we, we we are talking negative to ourselves. Yeah. Then we turn around and keep compounding it. So you end up with negativity squared. So I say, look, okay, we all know motivation is something you got to do all the time. It's like showering. Yeah. You have to keep going. And I don't believe you have internal motivation, right? I believe right. you have to kick it in gear so it, you can run with it. But if yeah. you leave the body at rest, stays at rest, right? Yeah. You're stuck in the wrong spot. Um, I'll tell you, I can't be depressed when I'm out walking around. So That's out right. here in Orange County, I live by a lake. Yeah. So I get up, I walk around, I look over, I look at the ducks. I, when I walk out, I'm angry. I'm like, you have no issues, right? <laughs> those little ducks, whatever. And then if I throw food, they come to me and I'm like, look at that. I'm the Pied Piper, right? <laughs> right. They, they all need me. They need me. So I feel better <laughs> about me. Right. And so- right. The, but the truth of the matter is, is if you're in a crappy place, notice I said crappy, I was trying to be polite. Yeah. If you're in a crappy place, go help somebody else. Yep. The second you invest in somebody else, you understand your value more. Right. Right. And guess what? There's always somebody in a worse shape. I don't care if you just go help somebody across the street. Right. I go feed ducks and they're grateful. Right. right? And I get to go, yeah, look at that. I'm already, I'm already making a difference in the life, in the life of a duck. Now what, what, maybe what, people. 
What if you have a troll in your life and they mess with you all the time? Do you have a yellow button or anything you hit? Oh, come on. <laughs> this is what I teach companies all the time. I know you set me up on this one, right? I did. So I'm telling you right now, would you look at it? And so the, the my hashtag, the one that I came up with was hashtag BBT, BBT, <laughs> right? And that stands for bitches be tripping. Because they do. And it don't mean female. It just means that somebody is going to be tripping on you no matter what. You're going to have a customer. I tell people in the CRM, go put hashtag BBT at the end. It was it was a big blue truck they were looking for, right? If you're a Volkswagen store, it was the baby blue Tiguan. Whatever you have to do, right? But oh, I have these buttons, right? So my yeah. clients have these on their desks. So when a customer upsets you, you just reach over and go, Bitches be tripping. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Yep. And so you say that, you hit that button, let it go. Let it go. Let them oh trip. My God. Sometimes I pushed them. I'm gonna be real. Sometimes oh I pushed them over. But that's funny, dude. So, so, so dude. I okay. So we've talked two or three, four times on the phone. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that we, we're, whenever we're on the phone, it's right around an hour and 19 minutes, right? Yeah. The, the record is an hour and 19 minutes. Um, yeah. It's always over an hour. Yeah. And it's probably just because I don't shut up. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you set the phone down and just walk away. Your family's like, is that guy talking again? Yeah. <laughs> I have to walk in once in a while and go, yeah, I know what you mean. And then walk yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't, I don't even care about the responses. I just want to keep hearing my voice. Yeah, sometimes when I get bored, I go to my YouTube channel and just watch my own stuff. And I'm like, he's good. That guy's good right there. Yes. Oh my God, dude. That is so funny. So Joe, man, you are you're you're um, you know, here's 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 what's funny, man, is you have a good heart, man. You're a good dude. And and I, I I've I've gotten to know you a lot better and and I'm very, very grateful for that. Weldon. Watch it, Weldon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Weldon, but notice how I took over. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I'll only be on Ken's show once. <laughs> After that, he's going to be like, no, no. I've been here thinking about, I could always just click this remove from stream button here. Nice. I'm nice. kidding. I'm kidding, dude. I did I did get, I saw, I have somebody that, that trolls me on Facebook with a made up account and always yeah. says bad things about me. Yeah. Right? I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, I, I go in there and I answer politely and what have you. And then I'll, I'll threaten to not be polite, but I'm never not going to be that. Right. Yeah. Cause somebody's going to screenshot it and that'll cost me a deal with somebody's company later. Right. right? right. Um, yeah. yeah. I have mortgage industries that I'm talking to now, so I don't want them to go on there and go, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when I, when I look at this and I say, okay, I, somebody called me the other day and says, do you know this person? I'm like, no. And they're like, he was in my office saying, oh yeah, well like the BDC genius guy, he doesn't do da 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 da. And he looked at me, he goes, do you know Joe? And the yeah. guy's like, oh yeah. Da, da. I'm like, dude, met him once at a dealership. I kicked him out of a dealership for a GM, right? And I'm like, what wow. are you talking? But he goes, yeah, he he started talking smack on you. And I looked, and again, but it's all about my mindset, right? I looked and I was like, yes. I told my wife, she goes, yes. And I was like, what? She goes, you got a hater. <laughs> that means you're moving on up. You got a hater. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to get out there. Tracy, I know all about Fred. Yeah. And and Tracy, what's, what's uh, going to be funny is that the reason we're so connected is that last year in 2019, there was 22 fake profiles that I found of me. Yeah. So evidently the gray hair says, trust me. But yeah. if I ever ask you for Apple gift cards, uh, it's not me. 
It's crazy what's happening with these fake profiles. And Joe and I are, I think you and I have more fake profile. Now I, I told you I had, I literally had 22 in one day last year. Somebody different people reporting. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with people? Yes. What I love is that on Instagram, when they like the photo, they stole. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't night. even get that. I'm like, I, you liked it. I look at the little, little thing. It goes, it looks like I liked it. Yeah. I'm like, I liked my own picture. Dang. Talk about vain. And I then know, I'm like, yeah. Oh no, it's some different name. And then I go out it there is. and I feel bad for all these people. Cause I get hate messages all the time. Oh yeah. Give me my okay. money back. And like, yeah. they're like, I can't believe that your wife tolerates you with this and that. And oh, I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, I'm sorry. What did I do to her? <laughs> and they're like, look at all these, these things back and forth. And I'm like, did you notice that there's never any real picture popping up? Uh, there isn't anything. Know, I have, I've had people say that they FaceTimed me, that they were on a video call with me. And, and I'm like, no, you weren't. Wasn't me. Right. Like, yes, it was. And I'm like, no. It, uh, anyway. So did we, you notice that the picture was the same and the lips just moved independently? Yeah. I know. He said he had a bad internet connection. It was real choppy, but I could see you talking. I'm like, okay. So, but you know what, man, there's, there's all kinds of craziness. Joe, listen, man, I got to end this. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I, um, I'm I, sure I, the audience I, is requesting that too. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, I, I like keeping it close to an hour and we're at an hour and 15, but, but so dude, listen, genuinely appreciate you you are a freaking amazing guy where can everybody follow you what's the best place, place um, i'm gonna say if you if they're on facebook or youtube doesn't matter but facebook is um i'm actually joe ingram on facebook instagram i'm joe underscore ingram underscore right so that's there you'll see me you'll probably see me with the name brad or fred or somebody else too but yeah, right. the one that has my real name which is joe ingram is on it my yeah. website's ingram interactive and yeah. so that, that'll show you what I do and how I do it. And then, and, and where can everybody buy one of those yellow buttons on the website, click on products and then click, show me the goods and you're yeah. going to go find it. And when you get this, you'll just all day, all day. Here's the thing. When you're on the phone with the client, don't press the button. Right. Yeah. Okay? No. You can't yeah. sit across from the customer and go, well, this is what it's going to be. And the customer goes, I don't think so. I'll go down the street. And you're like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Don't do that. No, no. no. I'm going to send you yours. And then while you're interviewing people, if they say something you don't like, click. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, you rock, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you to everyone else that's been watching that shared this out. Y'all rock. Joe, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you, Ken. You know that. Yeah. Likewise, bro. All right, Thanks, we'll see everybody. you guys later. Don't hang up on me. I won't. All right. <laughs> see you guys. Thanks for choosing to spend your time with us here at the Sales Genius Podcast. If your company is looking to increase sales or is having an event that would benefit from one of the Sales Genius team members attending, please look us up on the web at salesgenius.live. Salesgenius.live. Don't forget to like this episode. Subscribe to the channel and share it out to the world. Until next time, remember more deals, more money, more happy. Now go out there and close a deal. <laughs> <laughs>